Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. As I was thinking about remembering, I stumbled across a picture just the other day, and and if you know anything about me and, and my family, one of the um, things that me and my boys do a lot is we, we cut a lot of grass. Um, and I stumbled across a picture today that came back from 2019. Um, yes, that's Cooper in the front with a blower that's as big as he is. Um, and that's Brock in the back um, with the weed eater. And, and why that's significant is that was literally the first day that they had ever worked with me. Some four years ago, that was the first time that they said yes to an invitation to, hey, boys, I want y'all to come alongside and I I want you to work. But then as time progressed, we see where the picture started. And now you fast forward four years and that's them now in my truck with my lawnmower, with my weed eater, my edger, my blower, making their own money. (laughs) Dad's not even invited anymore. I'm told, hey dad, we're going to cut grass today. Oh, you are. And so I say all that to say, what we see is that in 2019, a process began. And then over a four year period of them walking with me, watching me, listening to me, arguing with me, fussing with me, To fast forward to 2023, here they are doing the very thing that I've taught them to do and the very thing they've learned to do. And the reason that I share that story and I share these couple of pictures is because it sets up exactly what we're gonna be talking about today and where we're headed today. If you were here last week, we've been talking and and unpacking for this three-week period of, of what our strategies are here at Chestnut Mountain, as we saturate the world by making disciples. That's our our vision and our mission that God has instilled in our hearts, and then we feel very um, adamantly about the strategies that he's given us, is that last week we unpacked this word belong, which is our first strategy. We want everyone to belong to God first and foremost, but for every child of God, we want you to know that you have a family that you can also belong to by this local assembly that God has placed you in. And and I celebrate the fact that last week in our membership class that we had had 23 members sign up to to call this place home, but then also the 23, there was also six more that realized that they've never followed through with believers' baptism. And so they signed up, and so in the next three weeks, you'll be seeing six of our new family members go through the baptismal waters to acknowledge their relationship with Jesus Christ. So as of last Sunday, we have 29 new family members that call Chestnut Mountain Church home, and that's exciting. 
So we want them to belong to God. We want them to belong to this family, which brings us to their second strategy, and that is the word become. And this word become, we want you to know today that after you belong to God, it is our passion and our desire that every child of God becomes a mature disciple of Christ. We want you to become a mature disciple of Christ. The fact that you belong, we're gonna celebrate it. We're always gonna celebrate it. But I want you to know that's just the first step. That's the beginning of the process of you becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I say all that to say, what we're gonna do today is, and listen, if you know me, you know the simplicity that is in this brain. And so I hope today as that we peel back this layers of discipleship, I'm gonna give you what I believe to be the clearest explanation and the simplest explanation of what true discipleship is. And so we gotta start at the beginning. Because no matter where you're at in your journey as a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, we're all in this process together. Nobody has arrived. There's nobody that can stand here and say, well, it is official, I am mature. We're all in the process and the journey together, maturing in our faith. And we will never reach that perfection until the return of Jesus. That's when it ends. That's when the process ends. But as you know, as, as Jesus even talked about it, it all has to have a starting place. And he told Nicodemus, he told him that unless a man be what? Born again. This is salvation, being born again. And if you know anything about birth, once a child is born, he is an infant. He is in, in, in baby stage, completely dependent upon his parents to do everything that that child needs them to do. And so when you are born again into the Christian faith, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born again, baby of God. You're not matured. You're young. You're still an infant. And our responsibility as the church is to take you for this, this place of infancy and try to walk with you in this journey as you mature as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But what we all have in common is that the day you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you were born again, meaning you were a child in the faith. You were a baby in the faith. It was the beginning of the process. You didn't, you weren't born again and came out all of a sudden you were mature. This is the journey. And so what I feel that we need to do this morning is to look at this process. And I think the best example, the best, um, the best way to look at this process is by men in the scripture who carried the title, you guessed it, disciple. Let's look at how a disciple arrived as to where they are and where they were. And so I wanna look at the journey and I wanna go all the way back to where it all began. And we're just gonna take a couple of examples of these disciples so that you can see where their journey began. And then I also want you in your mind to be trying to connect and to see where you are in the journey. But what we're gonna realize in the very beginning is that every disciple's journey began with an invitation from Jesus. Every disciple's journey began with an invitation from Jesus. Matthew chapter four, we see that when he invites Peter and Andrew. He calls to Peter and Andrew and he says, hey, follow me. This was the invitation. 
Then in Matthew chapter nine, he approaches Matthew in the tax collector's booth, symbolizing he's going to him while he's in his sin, while he's actively engaged in what dishonors God. And Jesus tells Matthew, hey, I don't know if he said hey or not, but in my mind, he probably did. Hey, boy, follow me. He says, follow me. Mark chapter nine. The Bible says that he calls to James and John. John chapter one, he, he calls to Philip and, the, and Philip brings Nathaniel along with him, but he uses the same language. He calls to them and says, follow me. So every one of them, the very same thing that they all have in common is that Jesus Christ extended an invitation for these men to follow him. So just like with every invitation, you have an option. You either accept it or you deny it. These men could have stayed put doing what they were doing, but because they were invited by Jesus himself, they chose to follow him. And so what I think about is to accept this invitation to follow Jesus is where discipleship begins. So these men were invited, they had the invitation, and now they had a decision to make. Are we gonna accept this invitation or are we gonna decline this invitation? Y'all all know you get the email. It's a Google invite. What does it come with the option to do, accept or decline? Some of us, we still may get, we may be old school enough to get an invitation in the mail to a birthday party, to a graduation. And while you don't click a box, you either put it on your refrigerator Acknowledging that you're accepting it or you throw that sucker in the trash. That means you declined it, right? And so if you are a child of God today, as the Spirit of God, we're gonna talk about that in a minute, invites you into a relationship, there's a choice to make. Do you accept or decline the invitation? And I think about the pictures that I showed you just a moment ago, what they were, what the boys were actually, and when I extended them the invitation, Here's what you have available, boys. You can, I want you to go cut grass with me. Now, I will venture to say they didn't have much of a choice, but it really sets the story up well, so we're just gonna use it anyway. So as I extended the invitation, thankfully, they said yes, and they wanted to go with Daddy to learn. But what you realize is they were in that moment surrendering their mind and their efforts to learn something new. And you know, this is where that word disciple, just to be real, real honest with you, it's one of those church words that we've really overcomplicated. We throw that word disciple around about as much as we do the word love, because I don't believe that we truly comprehend the simplicity of what discipleship means. So I wanna give you a very clear-cut, simple definition as to what disciple means. Are you ready for this? You know what a disciple is? A learner. That's it. A disciple is a learner. And so by Brock and Cooper saying, yes, daddy, we want to go cut grass with you. They were submitting to the, to the lordship of my teachings so that I could teach them how to run a weed eater, how to run an edger, how to crank a lawnmower, how to load a trailer, all of those things. And so they became in that moment a learner. I invited them, they said yes, but here's the element that we often forget with discipleship. 
When we say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. Let that sink in for just a minute. When you say yes to an invitation to follow Jesus, you are saying yes to Jesus, but you're saying no to an old lifestyle, an old way of living. And we don't like to talk about that because we always like to preach this this new modernized gospel that you can follow Jesus and still have your old life. That's not what disciples did. They denied themselves. And we're going to talk about it. I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm getting excited. But that's exactly what Brock and Gooper did. By them saying yes to me, they said no to a lot of other stuff. They said no to the cool air condition in August. They said yes to me and they said no to sitting beside a swimming pool. They said yes to me and they honestly just said no to a lot of other things that kids their age get to do on their summer vacation. So while they say yes to me, they say no to a lot of other things. When we follow Jesus, we are commanded, when we say yes to him, that we are ultimately saying no to a lot of other things. We're saying no to a lot of other things. But I want you to look at, we're just, I love just taking very small portions of scripture when Jesus just outlines everything so simply for us. Matthew chapter four, I want you to turn there. This is where we're gonna spend the most of the morning. Matthew chapter four, and this is the, the encounter and the invitation that Jesus extends to Peter and Andrew. We're gonna start in verses 18 and make, ourself, make our way through verse 20. Verse 18, it says, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Verse 19, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Some of your Bibles probably say, I will make you fishers of men. And then in verse 20, he says, immediately, this is their response, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. You see, here's the process. This is the very first steps of discipleship. They received an invitation. Jesus extended to them what he was gonna be teaching. I'm gonna make you a disciple. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And I'm gonna teach you. So Jesus extends the invitation. Now the choice is theirs to be made. So what was their response? The Bible says that immediately their response was they dropped their nets. Now, what this signifies is the fact that they said yes to Jesus and they said no to everything that had been normal up to that point. They didn't ask any questions. They didn't try to figure it out. They didn't ask Jesus what the five-year plan was. They didn't ask Jesus where this would take them for next year. They just simply said, yes, and I'm gonna drop what I'm doing and I'm gonna surrender my will to his will and I'm gonna follow Jesus So he said yes to him, but they said no to everything that was normal. But what I love about Jesus is he didn't waste any time teaching them. Look immediately what they did. They dropped their nets, they followed him, and then all of a sudden you fall into verse 21, going on from there. So they immediately left. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets. And he called them, and immediately 
They left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Verse 23, now Jesus began to go, that's a key word, go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. If you ever question what discipleship is, I would encourage you, read verses 18 through 23 over and over and over and over again. That is the outline and the model of what discipleship looks like. And we see that immediately, Jesus begins to teach them. Jesus begins to exemplify to them what their role is and what it looks like to become a fisher of man. You know, I love the very first thing that I pulled from it is is what the Spirit showed me is he taught them the power of an invitation. Jesus immediately taught Peter and Andrew the power of an invitation. Because we see the first thing that he did was he invited James and John to come along with us. Come along with us and watch and learn and see exactly what I'm gonna teach these guys. So I need you to come along with me. But then the next thing that we notice is something that he will later command them. And it's to go. Because if you notice, when Peter and Andrew accepted the invitation, they didn't stay put where they were. They immediately left. And then we see there in verse 21, it says, going from there. We see there's the first time. And then we go into verse 23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee. So Jesus is saying, not only are you going to be with me, but we're not going to stop. We're going to keep moving. We're going to be going, which is what he's later going to command them before he leaves. And so Jesus is exemplifying going. He's exemplifying the power of an invitation. And I would wonder this. If you're a child of God in this room today, I would wonder how many of your relationships with him was ignited through an invitation of someone else. Maybe God, or maybe that individual invited you to church. Maybe they invited you to church camp. Maybe they invited you to a revival. Maybe they invited you to a small group. But because of that invitation, you were able to hear the gospel and the spirit of God drew you to himself and you surrendered. I I wanna do something. This is really dangerous. If you can honestly say today that I know Jesus, that my relationship started because somebody invited me to hear it. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to look around the room, church. The power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching them. Don't ever get over inviting people. Don't ever get over inviting people to hear the gospel. So we see he's teaching them to go. He's teaching them to invite But then what we see next is if you keep reading in verse 23, by following Jesus, they they get to hear him teach and they get to hear him preach. Now, what we realize is that when we look at the word preach and teach, they're they're very different in their, their presentation and their environments. 
The word preaching would be something like this. But if you notice that it said he was preaching the what? The good news. And so this is the heart of Jesus, that he was always evangelistic, that wherever he went, whoever he invited to listen, he was always sharing the good news with them. He was always telling the hopeless that there was hope. He was always letting the blind know that they could see. This was the message of the gospel. This was the heralding, the proclaiming of this good news that he was sent to tell the world about. But then we also see that the disciples were able to also sit in environments where he would teach. And this would be that, that small group where he would sit down and, and allow the disciples to ask him questions. And he was able to prompt them to start thinking certain ways. He was able to begin to ignite and spark these conversations to really when the shaping and the molding began. And this is where we get the idea of the importance of of small groups, the importance of, of Sunday school classes, that you are in an environment where you're having the freedom to ask questions, where you're having the freedom to talk about what the word of God says. And yes, there may be one to 12, or it, listen to me, it may just be one to one. It may just be one to one that you're sitting and carrying on a conversation with and that you're growing in your faith together. And you say, well, Brian, I don't feel like I'm qualified yet to be a disciple. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of God in you that will empower you to have these conversations. The first element of discipleship is to realize that who you're talking to, ain't nobody got it figured out. We're going to grow together. That's what it means. Because if you notice that Jesus, a lot of times he would preach and proclaim the gospel to the masses. And then what would he do? He would pull the disciples to the side and he would sit them down and have conversation. And I believe they were asking, well, Jesus, why did you say this? Well, Jesus, what does this mean? Well, Jesus, I don't understand this. So you're like, Brian, so there was disciples that didn't understand everything Jesus was saying? Absolutely. Just like us. Just like you and I. And so they're getting to hear him preach. They're getting to see him teach. But then the last thing that I love is what we see in the end of verse 23 is that the healing of every disease and sickness among the people, what Jesus was doing was serving other people. When you look in the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus, by what he's exemplifying, by healing every disease and every sickness, is he's letting the disciples know, hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna teach, and I'm gonna preach, but I'm also, I'm just there to love people. I'm there to serve people. And so we see all of these examples that Jesus is not just telling them what to do, but he's showing them what to do. He's commanding them to do all of these things when he leaves. And what we see is that I'm reminded of, of, a, of a quote from Benjamin Franklin. He stated, tell me and I forget. Teach me, I may remember. Involve me and I learn. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. So what we've seen thus far in this process, listen to me, here's discipleship. Hey guys, 
Y'all follow me. Y'all follow me. And I just want you to watch. I want you to listen. And I want you to observe what I'm doing. But all of this is leading. All of this training is leading up to when Jesus is gonna ascend back to the Father. And then he's gonna say, okay, now here it is. You just go teach everybody what I've taught you. You say, is discipleship that easy? Yep. You go teach people what you've been taught. That's all Jesus is challenging the disciples to do. So we've seen him teach them, we've seen him tell them, we've seen him exemplify him, but now we watch him involved in Matthew 28. And you're gonna hear some more about this next week. Flip to Matthew chapter 28, a, a passage that most of us are probably very familiar with. And I've never seen the parallels from what we've just shared in Matthew 4 to what he commands the disciples to do in Matthew 28 until this week, just the simplicity of it. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came near and he said, see, there's that teaching element. He pulls them to the side. He's calling them close. These are his disciples. He says that he came near. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you take what we've just shared in Matthew chapter four, and you were to overlay it with what we've just read in Matthew chapter 28, we see the word go. What was the very thing that Peter and Andrew watched Jesus do first? He went. So not only is he telling them to go now, but he has showed them what going looks like. And then the second thing we see is that he tells Peter and Andrew, you follow me and I will do what for you? I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. And now he commands them, you go make others. You do for them what I've done for you. Then he tells them, you go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This baptizing is, is the evidence of the gospel being proclaimed. Because what we know about baptism is this is the outward profession of our faith. This is us announcing to the world that I am a child of God. I have placed my faith in him. So if they're baptizing people, guess what's happened? They've shared the good news and people have responded to the good news. So he's not just telling them, go and tell them about the good news, but I've showed you how to do it. And then lastly, we see, he tells them teaching to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching simply means instilling wisdom and to teach the word. So he has shown the disciples what to do. And now he's simply commanding them to do what he's taught them to do. That's discipleship. That is the, the simplest way that I know to break down this word that we have so overcomplicated. It's just, hey, come follow me. I'm gonna teach you, but I want you now to go teach others. I want you to exemplify it. I want you to show others. 
And church, this is our heart here at Chestnut Mountain Church. We don't believe that, that when God saved you that it was over. Yes, we're gonna celebrate it as a victory, but then the grueling journey of growing in your faith begins. And it's our responsibility to provide avenues and platforms for you to be discipled. And so for all you um, maybe just logical thinking people, maybe the simplicity of this concept is kind of foreign to you and you think, well, yeah, the disciples had it made. Brian, we don't have Jesus to follow. If Jesus would stand up on this stage and invite me to follow him where I could go with him to work tomorrow, I'd get to watch Jesus and I would better understand exactly what all this is about. You see, that's what we've got to realize. I think back of a quote that J.D. Greer says, and it's talking about the absence of Jesus' body, about how he's physically not present anymore as far as his 100% man. But J.D. says this, that why the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Why Jesus inside you is better than Jesus beside you. And what he's alluding to is because before Jesus ascended back to the Father in heaven, Jesus being 100% man was limited to the location of his physical body. That the only people that could learn from Jesus, the only people that could observe Jesus were those that were in his presence. I mean, they didn't have Instagram. They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have live television or nothing. Like they literally had to be physically in his presence to learn from him. And this is what JD is talking about, that when the father ascended into heaven, he was gonna give us an avenue to where we would be better off with his body not here, filled with his spirit living in us. And Jesus speaks to that in John chapter 16. So if you get angry with a quote like that, you can get mad at JD, get mad at me, I don't care, because the, what the word of God says is these are the words of Jesus. Listen to what he says in John chapter 16. Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Jesus is saying, I'm going away, but I'm gonna send something better. And this is the spirit of God and the omnipresence of God, meaning this is the very reason that even right now this morning at 1149 at Chestnut Mountain Church, the spirit of God can move in someone's heart, draw someone into an invitation to walk with him. You surrender your heart and your life to him. And in that moment, you are born again, while all at the same time on the other side of the world, in the country of Nepal, that the spirit of God could be drawing someone to himself there as well and be born again in the moment of Jesus Christ, praising God for the Holy Spirit, that it wasn't limited to the physical presence of a man. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is the reason that he's moving all about this planet Earth this morning, drawing people to himself. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter one, Jesus told them, you stay and wait. You wait till the Spirit comes. Don't move until I empower you with my Spirit. And then in Acts chapter two, guess what shows up? The Spirit that he promised them. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. Everybody starts getting saved. And guess what? Jesus' physical body wasn't there. So this is why we can say, thank you. Although, look, we all long for the day to touch those nail-scarred hands. We all long for the day to embrace the one that saved us from our sin. We've got to be at a place where we're thankful that God sent the comforter, that he sent the Spirit of God to do what only he can do. And so you say, well, Brian, how is this applicable to us? How do we apply this? John chapter six, it talks about the drawing of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt in my mind, even right now in this moment, this morning, that the Spirit of God is drawing someone into a relationship with him. This is your invitation to follow him. The Spirit of God is inviting you. The same way Jesus called to the disciples, follow me. The Spirit of God is moving about in your heart today. And through the Spirit of God living and breathing and moving about this room, he is saying, hey, follow me. Follow me. But the question is, will you respond the way the disciples did? Will you say yes to him? Ultimately saying no to some other things. Will you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him? Because this watered down gospel that we hear nowadays just tells us that you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have a relationship with Jesus, but it doesn't require anything. It requires total abandonment of your will, surrendering to the fathers. Denying yourself. Do you know if you break it down what deny yourself literally means? This is not popular, I'm just telling you. But to deny yourself literally means to live as if you don't exist. Who did that for us? The Son of God did. He said, not my will, but your will be done. So it all begins with the invitation of the Spirit of God in this place, in your heart inviting you to him. And then you say, well, okay, well, Brian, I, I feel the spirit of God. I, I feel that he's inviting me in, but, but where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? Because how am I gonna learn what Jesus did? How am I gonna learn what this book means? I think back on my journey of following Jesus. I had a lot of the same questions. But when we sing songs like we sang this morning, I can go back through seasons of my life and while the presence, the physical presence of Jesus himself was not beside me, I can think back in my life of the people that God placed around me that said, hey, you're following Jesus, but I wanna walk with you in this journey. 
I want to teach you what I've been learned, what I've been taught. And I think back to, to even my childhood, very early on in my faith. I can think of a man by the name of David Ellis, who was my royal ambassador leader. If you know, you know. And I remember that was the first man that I ever saw weep in a conversation with God, and I will never forget it. But I think even right now in this moment of another season of life, I think about a Lowell Whitmire who is still like a father to me, who I don't know that I've ever watched somebody love the way that he loves. I think about a Walt Peacock, a man who I used to go sit at his house every Thursday for three hours and we would open the word of God and guess what we did? We talked about it. We talked about it. There was no outline, there was no agenda, but he was discipling me. I think about a Greg Worley who taught me how to serve people who taught me how to deny myself and put the best interest of others in front of my own. And I think about my mom who taught me the power of an invitation. I can remember as a kid, every Wednesday night, she had a black mercury topaz and it had smoke coming out of every crack and cranny of that car. But we weren't worried about no seatbelt laws. We could fit nine deep in that topaz. But we were going to church. And can I tell you that every, listen to me, every one of those that went, every one of those that went met Jesus. Every one of them. And so as I look back on season in my life, I can remember when God placed people around me that, that taught me how to invite, that taught me how to share the gospel, that taught me how to make sure that I was still being poured into, that taught me the importance of being in a group, that taught me the importance of serving. Can I tell you, this was God saying, I'm gonna surround you with the people that you need to follow. But as you follow them, you better be inviting others to follow you. Just go teach them what you've been taught. And so Chestnut Mountain Church, our heart for you is that we want you to become a mature disciple of Christ. But you're gonna have to put forth the effort to get in the environments to be taught. And so I want to end today with just a couple, three questions. Three questions that, listen, every one of us have got to answer all three of these questions. And so as I ask, ask these questions, I want you to answer them in your hearts. You don't have to raise your hand. But where the process began, here's the first question. Have you accepted the invitation to follow him? 
Have you accepted the invitation to follow Jesus and surrender your will to his? And I know without a doubt, there's people in the room, you've received the invitation, but you've not yet accepted it. You've not yet said yes to it. And my prayer is this morning is that you say yes before you leave. Don't leave here without answering that question. But every person in the room, you in your heart right now, can answer yes or no to this question. The second question, if you are a child of God, if you've been born again, Who do you have around you that's teaching you and showing you? Who do you have around you that's teaching you and showing you? And if you think you don't need anybody, you better be careful. If you think you got it figured out, you better pump the brakes. Who do you have around you that's teaching and showing you? So there's two jabs. Here comes the uppercut. As a child of God, who are you teaching and showing? For some reason, we've taken Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus, listen to me, commands the disciples, go therefore and make disciples. This is not the great suggestion. As a child of God, this is the great commandment. So hear me when I say this, and look, I've become convicted of this. Who is walking with you? If you are a born-again believer, a born-again child of God, who is walking with you? Because you're commanded now as a child of God to bring someone alongside you to teach, to walk with. And look, I can't teach them a whole lot, but I know I can teach them what not to do. And so I hope, my prayer has been, I'm very, very salvation-minded. I want people to come to know the Lord. Yes, I want people to accept this invitation today, but I've been so burdened with this question, who are you teaching and showing? As a child of God, who are you holding their hand and saying, walk with me? Is it your children? Is it that coworker? Is it that employee? Is it that best friend at school? Is it that athlete on the team? Who is it that is walking alongside you that you're sharpening. Because I want you to understand and carry the burden. You didn't get where you are as a child of God by yourself. The Spirit of God invited you and the Spirit of God sent people around you to walk with you. How dare that process stop with you? How dare that process stop with us? And so this morning, I just want you to evaluate your own life through these three questions. Who is around you that's leading and teaching and showing you? And if it's nobody, seek them out. 
Find a small group. Find that one person. But then the second question is who? Who have you invited along with the journey with you? But then lastly, that beginning part of the process. Have you accepted the invitation? Have you accepted the invitation that the Spirit of God has extended to you? And if you haven't, I pray today that you say yes to Him. And by the Spirit living in you and you walking with others, you will find yourself saying no to the old things. And so I just want you to get honest before God today. You say, well, Brian, I don't have anybody with me. Nobody, I've not invited anybody to walk with me. Can I tell you, there's no better place to start than on your face and ask the Lord. Acknowledge the Lord. I promise you he'll place somebody on your heart. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.